Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Bounce Pass. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Connor Longman and Sam Hengeli to discuss a big, big couple of weeks of NBA free agency. It's going to be really all based on NBA free agency, so it's going to go over a lot of the moves that have happened since free agency started back in uh, June 30th. It seems like the free agency period in the NBA gets early every year. Um, so, you know, we'll go, we'll run down the bigger moves that have happened and then the minor moves that, you know, are still relevant and then talk about maybe the status of some teams now that they got rid of players or that they signed some players. Um, and then with the three of us, there's a more better chance for us to kind of get each other's thoughts in. So, We'll go down the moves. Just like, just you guys are, you guys probably already know the, the the big moves, but you know the big the ones that have happened recently have been, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both teaming up, um, in not the Los Angeles Lakers, but for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, George, you know, I actually heard from from Woj that George requested a trade out of Oklahoma City and I guess Kawhi was, you know, keeping contact with them throughout this throughout the period and I also heard that Kawhi was wanting to maybe recruit Kyrie Irving, but since Kyrie Irving was committed to Brooklyn, uh, he settled with Paul George. I didn't I mean, I got this alert at like one fifty eight in the morning. I woke up at like four fifteen and I had this weird alert on my phone. I was like, oh, this has to be a Woj bomb. And wouldn't you know it, that actually happened. So that was really weird timing. But I thought, to be honest with you, the Clippers gave up a lot. They gave up five first-round picks. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. Um, And we'll move. We'll talk about it later more for, like, the teams who couldn't get Kawhi. So we'll talk about, like, what's the situation now with the Lakers and then we kind of, you know, we had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan going to Brooklyn. Kemba Walker going to Boston. Um, Philadelphia, Connor's boy, Jimmy Butler. Uh, not a sixer anymore. He's in Miami. Then you got Josh Richardson now there. Um, Al Horford, a sixer. Um, so, Really, these are really the big ones. I mean, you have the Clay Thompson max, but that was to be expected. Out of really the ones that you guys have seen, the major moves, really within the first week of free agency, what have been the ones that have been really notable to you guys, and what have been the ones that have really stood out? I think all of them have like stood out in a way. Um, I'm gonna say the most 
The most interesting one to me would be Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers because, you know, you got LeBron and AD together in the Los Angeles now, and now you have Paul George and Kawhi going to the Clippers. So the battle for Los Angeles is now for real. Like, you got a city, like, two teams that are competing against each other for a tight, pretty much to go to the NBA Finals right now. Um, you know, I, it's really hard to tell right now who I would pick who would be who would win a seven game series right now. But I will say about the Clippers is they have they probably have the best defensive backcourt in the league. I mean, you're talking about well, Patrick Beverly, one of the best on ball defenders at the point guard position. They got Kawhi Leonard, who's the best two way player. Was first known for his defense in the league until he started developing his offensive game. And then, of course, Paul George, who's always been a solid defender. I mean, you got those three defending, and then and then you got uh, Lou Williams coming off the bench, and then and then uh, a Zubac who can be a, who has a lot of potential to be an effective player in this league. Um, right. So I think the Clippers got have a very interesting team, and they they put themselves in position to. Uh, win a title next three years, but I think, you know, with that trade for Paul George, I think their window is very small, though. I think if they don't get a title, they are in for probably the darkest of times for uh, Clipper Nation. Right, because they got um, Paul George now for, what, three more years? Yeah. Three-year deal, because he only stayed in Oklahoma City for one year. Um, Two players that, I know one of the players that, um, Connor definitely knows a lot about for the Clippers is uh, his boy Landry Shamit. <laughs> yes, sir. But another player, you know, Montrose Harrell provided some huge minutes for them, and he was, you know, mixed in kind of as the guy that came off the bench, started, um, really exploded. I mean, he, I think he gave him 18 points a game last year. Uh, sorry, this past season. It was really a force on the glass. I'll be kind of curious to see like how he plays now, because now instead of being the first reception in the, in LA, he's you know the third or fourth option because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to kind of demand the touches. Um, but Connor, um, I mean, you can give your input on the Clippers getting Kawhi and Paul George, but um, I, I mean, other, other than that, I mean, you can also talk about your input for the other major trades. Right now, I think uh, Lakers fans should be scared. Um, I think they should be scared because the fact of the matter is that their uh, beloved Lakers are now the uh, second-best team in L.A. You know, uh, Anthony Davis gave up his $4 million trade kicker, and who'd they get? They got JaVale McGee. They got Rajon Rondo. You know, I guess Troy Daniels you can group in there, but... Honestly, outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron, of course, does does anybody on that team scare you? I think the only person that would probably scare me potentially is is is, right? is, is pro- maybe Danny Green for a shooting. But you know, I um, Sam brought this up, not not in this podcast, but he talked to me as soon as the signings were happening for LA. You know. DeMarcus Cousins is really not the same player that he was in New Orleans. You know, that injury has really affected him. You know, yeah, he, he was decent. You know, he put up he did put up sixteen points, 
a game, and he did do a lot for Golden State as a facilitator, but he's slow on defense right now, and his stamina is not good. I think Kuzma or Danny Green are right now the only other guys that scare you. Correct, the third guy. I mean, Contavious Caldwell-Pope doesn't move the needle for them. Um, Alex Caruso definitely doesn't move the needle for Right, me. and then, um, you know, I... I thought it was pretty, pretty weird how they've kind of brought some of these guys back. Not just McGee, but you know Rajon Rondo. You know this was 2010 or 2012. Bringing Rajon Rondo to join forces with LeBron would be a great move. But you know Rondo is not even close to what the player that he's, you know, that he was a couple years ago. Really, the only, I mean, now, I, I mean, I told Sam this. But, I mean, I don't know if you've been aware, Connor, but now they're moving LeBron to the point yeah, uh, full-time. I don't think Rajon Rondo, at, you know, at his current state is probably a great backup point guard. Their best backup right now is Quinn Cook, who um, is fine. But it's going to be interesting for the Lakers because I don't think their bench right now is good enough. And let's face it, LeBron and Davis are going to probably sit 20, 20, 22 games this year, they're going to probably have load management. They're not going to play every night. And that's going to put pressure on the, the secondary and, and tertiary options for the Lakers, like Kyle Kuzma to perform, JaVale McGee. Marcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know. That's going to be the big issue for the Lakers pretty much. You know, that, you know, Kawhi Leonard didn't go to the Lakers because if he went to the Lakers, it would have been a different story, obviously, because they would have had the big three for him. Um, granted, they, they some of those guys that they signed for fillers off the bench, the Lakers wouldn't have had the chance to get, but that's the situation losing Kawhi. Um, I kind of want to get your input, Connor, about the Sixers. You know, they traded, they executed that weird sign in trade that involved Jimmy Butler going to Miami, and then the Sixers brought in Josh Richardson, and then to just add fuel to the fire of the Celtics-Sixers rivalry and just burn my heart, they acquired Al Horford to the team. Um, what I mean, looking at the lineup right now, Philly really has a huge lineup. Every single guy on that team is six foot eight and taller. Um, so, kind of, what, what what's your thoughts about the Sixers in free agency? Um, so, first off, I'll, I'll tackle this one by one. The Jimmy Butler trade, if it's true and what they say is that they offered him the five-year max and he turned it down, if that's the case, um, then Josh Richardson is, I think that's a fantastic move. I'm a big fan of Josh Richardson. Um, I know there are some people out there that don't really know much about him uh, because um, Miami hasn't really been a hotbed for the NBA since LeBron left. Uh, but Josh Richardson, you know, um, first off, he is a great A wing defender. Um, he's an incredible athlete on the wing. His length, uh, he's got a nice stroke from beyond. Sporadic, however, uh, it's still a good stroke. His shooting percentages have gone kind of all over the place the last couple of years, but they've hovered around 36, 37% from three. Uh, I think it's a great move. 
I think the contract, I mean, paying him $10 million a year, you, you've seen the money that was given out this year. I mean, Julius Randle's making $21 million a year. For what? I don't know. But I believe it's $65 million. I guess three, uh, three or 65 Yeah, right. I think Josh Richardson's a really good um, – I think he's a good player to have, especially on a team that really lacked wing defending last year. Um one of part of the reason they went out and signed, I mean, excuse me, traded for Jimmy Butler was because they needed wing defending. And they really, you know, while they acquired one of the best wing defenders in the game, they also gave up a really young stud wing defender in Robert Covington. Now, I'm not saying that he's a stud basketball player. I know that a lot of people do not like Robert Covington, but on the offensive side, but you can't argue that he can. He knows how to play. It's one thing he knows how to do, and it's one thing he's very good at on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't really have depth there. I think Josh Richardson, you know, well, yeah, it definitely hurts losing Jimmy Butler. I think Josh Richardson's a nice piece to have to build, and he's still young. It's not like he's an old guy. He's pretty young. I think, honestly, I think the one, um, the loss that I'm least excited about was J.J. Redick to the Pelicans. I think J.J. Redick, while he was definitely not the same player he used to be, him and Embiid had a uh, an incredible, incredible chemistry on the pick and pop. Now, if you know anything about the Sixers or have watched uh, one Sixers game, you know that the pick and pop with Embiid and JJ Redick for the last two years has been their go-to offense when they needed buckets. That was their offense. They picked it and popped it. That's what Brett Brown loved, and they had incredible chemistry there. Not only that, but JJ was one of our leaders, one of our big guys um, off the court. I think that's definitely going to be a loss. I'm sad to see him go. I'm hoping that Maybe uh, a Josh Richardson can make up some of those points, and I'm I'm hoping, secretly hoping that we bring uh, run it real, run it way back, and we bring uh, bring Kyle Korver back into the fold. But um, going to the uh, Al Horford deal, I think we overpaid a little bit, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be interested to see what he is like running the four. I think. <laughs> I think in this NBA, I I truly believe in positionless basketball, and I think that's really what this NBA day and age is. Um, You know, we can say Al Horford's going to be the four and Embiid's going to be the five, but I think they're both going to be centers. They're both playing. They're going to be playing the same defense, whether one plays out and the other stays in. I know Embiid's athletic enough. I mean, there was a play last year in the Celtics game where he took Kyrie one-on-one and he – he blocked the shot. Kyrie crossed over, tried to get past him, and he beat Embiid. I mean, of course he would. He's a guard. But Embiid rebounded, came back, and blocked the shot. Uh, I think – I don't know how the four is going to really affect Horford. I think it will be interesting how the chemistry works. Uh-huh. Really, I think the two things that this need to happen for this – this season to work, and I'm I'm going to be a big believer, and I'm saying it right now that I think that the Sixers are the team to be in the East. Um, I, I'm I'm not just saying that because I'm a homer. I am a homer, but um, I, I think that they are the most lethal team in the East. I think that the Toronto Milwaukee series showed you that Giannis is um, Giannis 
can't doesn't really do well against length, yep. and the Sixers yep. have all the length yep. in the NBA right yep. now. Um, yeah, I was I really. I'm on that. I'm on, I think I agree with that too. Um, but the two things that really need to happen is, yeah, they probably overpaid Tobias Harris, but you know what? The guy's been working his tail off since he got in the NBA. I am happy for him. He deserves it. He really needs to show up. He needs to start. You know, he needs to be a more aggressive player on the offensive end. He isn't, you know, just the third or fourth option anymore. And in actuality, he's probably the first or second, depending on if you want to be taking three pointers uh, or whatnot. And then Ben Simmons. He this uh, this year can't be like last year. He's got to start taking jump shots. He's got to at least take. I don't care if he misses. I don't care. Just take the jump shot. Because if you just do what you've done the past two years and you just you don't even take a jump shot, you're gonna see you guys saw how they played Ben Simmons. They would stand like fifteen feet back right, and right. dare him to take the shot. He wouldn't and that clogs up all the inside. Yeah. And you know where you know, we need the inside because that's Embiid where Embiid's gonna do the most damage. The only guy that I've seen successfully cover jo- Joel Embiid in the NBA is now teaming up with Joel Embiid. Yep, exactly. Joel Embiid is going to be scary if he has the inside, and he already is scared. I'll tell but you, Ben Simmons <laughs> needs to take the jump shot for that to work. Yeah, um, and I'll tell you one thing: I am not looking forward to Joel Embiid posting up against Enes uh, Cantor and Robert Williams. That will be a uh, a nightmare. But um, I. I agree with your points. I, you know, Giannis was slowed down at times against the Celtics with Horford and at times with Embiid. But now you said you bring up a good, good point about the size. He was really, really slowed down when they went up, when he went up against Toronto and, you know, Kawhi Leonard has length on the defensive end. Pascal Siakam, we saw him emerge, you know, he won most improved player of the year. Um, not just because he could score in a variety of ways, but his defense. He's he's very long. He's very lanky. He can really give threes and fours, maybe even fives, a hard time. Um, and then they also had Serge Ibaka. And Toronto really mixed those guys around. And also, I don't think if Giannis can't develop a deep mid-range shot and he can't develop a three, um, I'll say this. The stuff that happened to him in, in just – this year in the playoffs will continue to happen. And I do think that Philadelphia and Milwaukee are kind of 1A and 1B right now in the East. And we'll, this, that'll be another part of this podcast that we'll talk about later of like, you know, where some of the teams in the East stand and then obviously in the West because there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more teams in the West that are kind of competing. But um, Horford, kind of back to your point about Horford, man. He was the anchor to Boston. I think the Celtics are going to really see how much he meant to that defense, and he's going to mean a lot to, to Philadelphia. I'll say this: Do you? Th- I'll say this, Connor. If you know Horford, you said the overpay for con- that they overpaid for him. Do you think by the third or fourth year of that contract, Horford's going to you know start aging, and he's going to be not as valuable as he isn't as he would be like in his first or second year of the contract? Because um, he'll be 37 by the time that contract's up. Yeah. Um, I I mean, he's definitely going to deteriorate. I don't know how quickly he will. Um, because the Celtics were thinking of, I mean, 
the Celtics, at first, you know, Danny Ainge was thinking, you know, we'll give him a three-year deal, and then they offered him a three-year $70 million deal, and Al Horford declined it, and he wanted to go for four years, like $100 million. And Celtics probably would have done that if Kemba Walker never became available. They might have been able to offer him that, but, you know, he took the four years, $109 million. I think, I think what, what I think the Sixers paid for is I think they paid, while it was a four-year contract, this is really a two-year contract. They see that they won a championship in the next two years. I think that's what they paid for. Um, again, Steve, you know the intangibles of Al Horford more than I do. Um, not only is he a great player, old-school player on the court, He's also a leader off the court. Oh, definitely. Yeah. definitely. And um, sorry I interrupted, but um, uh, Hor- Horford, you know, I don't know. You know, Boston made that run in 2017, the conference finals, and then they made it again in 2018 with a rookie Tam and a rookie, and a, sorry, a second year Jalen Brown. I don't know if Horford was off that team. And he just and he never signed with Boston. I don't think Boston would have made it that far, and I don't think Brown and Tatum would have developed that quickly if Horford wasn't there. And I think they. I think another reason why maybe they brought Horford in the Sixers was, you know, if Horford can be that 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 rock that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and to an extent, I'd say Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier could lean on in Boston. Why not? Why not that be the same thing that can happen to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? Um, I mean, I, I think I think Horford will help them a lot in that sense. I I, I do too. Um, Joel Embiid, I if you I don't know if you you know you guys you guys don't follow him like I do, of course, because I am from Philly. But he definitely seems that that loss against Toronto in Game Seven. I think something flipped a switch in his head. Um, he's been really working out this offseason. He knows he needs to get into better shape. He's lost a couple. I, I think the goal, at least in my opinion, is if he lost like 15, 20 pounds, he played it around 270, 265. I think that would be when he would be the best. Um He's doing a lot of different uh, agility work, and he looks good. He looks He's starting to be chiseled, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I'm saying. If it really – if he continues to work like this and he's fixing his body and he becomes more focused on basketball than, you know, being the troll that he is and that we all love or I <laughs> love, you guys probably hate. Um, <laughs> um I think the NBA is in for a rude awakening. I think that, and this is in my opinion, again, I am a homer. I think Embiid has the highest upside of any player in the NBA. And, I, you know, I think Giannis, he came out already. But Embiid, with a little weight loss, a little more agility, can do some, some of the same things that Giannis can do at 7-2. You know, um, I think Embiid really dedicating himself to his craft is going to be scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, key to this team is Ben Simmons. He needs the jump shot. He needs to stop being afraid of the jump shot. He needs to take it, regardless if he makes it or if he misses it. Because the more the more that he takes, the more they're going to start going in. Yeah, you know? right. 
more comfortable he gets. But that's the key to this team. If Ben Simmons comes out, he's aggressive and he wants to, and he wants the rock, and he's he's got the killer instinct. You can see that he just doesn't turn it on for every game. If he comes out every game with that killer instinct and does what he needs to do to win, the Sixers, man, they're gonna be scared. Yeah, I agree. Um, so moving on from. I mean, you, you did a really good job touching on the Sixers and how the, the moves that they've made kind of helped them out. Um, I'll ask Sam um, just about this other because the, the, the other section of free agency because there were, I think, some significant moves that happened that might not get a lot of headlines, but the, the ones that are notable, you know, we'll start with Milwaukee. Um, I Some of these moves I was kind of surprised. I wasn't surprised that Chris Middleton – was give, was uh, super max by Milwaukee. I was surprised that Brooke Lopez was handed a four year deal. Um, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't as much as a, a, you know as a max contract. It was fifty two million for four years. Um, Indiana was able to get Malcolm Brogdon, so they was able to they were able to take Malcolm Brogdon away from Milwaukee. And again, we'll talk about the after effects of all these teams. But I think Malcolm Brogdon. Now that he's away from Milwaukee, is going to really show um, for the Bucks because that's a really solid, really efficient guard that Milwaukee no longer has. Um, Utah, you know, they, yes, they made the Mike Conley trade, but in free agency, they got Boyan Bogdanovich, a really good shooter, Ed Davis, um, and then obviously Stephen A. Smith's New York Knicks. You know, Julius Randle, the 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 the, uh, the second coming of Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, and then they got Bobby Portis, the second coming of uh, Charles Barkley. And then Reggie Bullock, the second coming of uh, Scottie Pippen. They got all three of those guys that are a great deal. Hey, you got you got to uh, you got to remember that they also got Iggy in the draft, my man from Michigan. Yes, that's right. Igna. Igna. The, the dude's cut from the same cloth as Mo Wagner. It's just incredible. It's incredible how Michigan and John Beeline were able to get like the exact same uh europe european centers every single year but uh maybe you could do that for cleveland yeah 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 john beeline's out for the cleveland so that'll be interesting but um sam out of the i mean i guess you can also mention obviously jj reddick for new orleans but most of new orleans work came through the trade you know getting rid of davis and getting lonzo josh hart brandon ingram to team up with zion and drew holiday but so I'm asking you this out of the kind of the teams that I just mentioned as a second tier. So like Milwaukee, Indiana, New York, Utah. Um, I mean, we, we didn't talk about Boston, but you, you don't have to mention them. Out of those, you know, four or five teams I mentioned, you know, what what's kind of your take on those? Um, what, what who do you think kind of you know benefited the most in free agency? Kind of the, the second tier teams. Uh, you know, I think we can talk about. Uh, I mean, that trade for uh, New Orleans, but. People are sleeping on the Utah Jazz. I mean, you got Conley now, and then, of course, Donovan Mitchell. But Boyan Bladonovich, people forget how good that guy is. I mean, I remember when he was with uh, Indiana, I think, 2018. He was, like, a huge part of that team with Oladipo. And uh, he was the reason why the Pacers didn't fall off after Oladipo uh, tore his knee out. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know... You got, I mean, they got a lot of interesting pieces. I mean, of course, you got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, those two. And then you add Boyan Bodanovich, and then you upgrade at the point guard position with Mike Conley. I mean, that's a team that that could, like, 
definitely could easily get the third seed in the West if everything goes right, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Utah made a, a really quietly, I would say quietly, made a huge step into uh, becoming a better, bigger contender in the West. Right. Yeah, I mean, Boyanovich, he had a career year this year. I mean, he averaged 18, 18 a game. You know, he shot just under 50%, you know, 49.7% from the field and 42% from three. And Utah's offense has been an issue the last couple of years. Utah has been really relying on their defense to, you know, I mean, it's not grit grind that Memphis run ran for, for years, but, but Utah was, was lacking offense. I didn't, and I think Boyanovich really helped him. Uh, I, I don't know, like, I mean, Mike Conley's finally in a situation where he can succeed now, so we'll see about that. Um, um, defensively, though, I guess, at least in the regular season, they have a chance to be really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if Utah, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee are all out. Maybe I would even say the Clippers. I would say all four of those teams will be, like, in the top five or top six in, like, defensive rating next year. I can see that easily. Yeah. Uh, when we get to uh, the Pelicans, though, um think they have a really young core um it's they got it they're gonna be a very interesting team the next few years but i do have questions about zion williamson though you know we all we see the highlights we knew how crazy he was in uh at duke and uh of course because espn obviously you know hyped him up way too much by always talking about him but that's for another day but i i think you know because zion he he's so he's like so athletically gifted, but like I'm afraid that he's not gonna be he's gonna be limited, because yeah. his shot's not the best, you know. He ha- he doesn't really have the skill set of a big man, um, and being that size, that c- and being that size and kind of being a little bit shorter mm-hmm. for that for being like two eighty or two ninety wherever he is, you know, I think that could be a huge flaw in his game when he goes into the NBA, um, mm-hmm. and then we. So Lonzo Ball, you know, he, he's got potential, but, uh, you know, he's been injured. And then you got Brandon Ingram, who has showed some flashes, but then has the blood clot issues that may be detrimental to him uh, for his longevity. They still got Drew Holiday. Um, then they got some, some they got a couple of picks, I think. Steve, can you clarify that? Um. Yeah, well, they traded the uh, don't they got Jackson Hayes, correct? Didn't they get yeah, Jackson they got, Hayes. No, Jackson yeah. Hayes. I think he could be. Uh, he's a steal. I think he could be a huge steal, though. And uh, yeah, because I mean, of his shot blocking ability inside, his length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New Orleans. Um, David Griffin, you know, knew what he was doing when he made the trade, and he traded Davis out to L.A. Um, I. I think the Pelicans are definitely going to be a fun uh, NBA League Pass team. I don't have NBA League Pass, so I'm already a minute right now. But, you know, I know Sam does. And for everybody who does have League Pass, I'm sure they're going to be watched a ton. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans get a Christmas Day game and also because they actually have a lot of talent. They could make the playoffs. I think, I mean, the West is really loaded. So it, it, it could be tough for them to make the but they have a really nice core there. Um, and Drew yeah. Holiday is another uh, a key piece that you know people might might forget about, but he's really good. I think uh, the Pacers got better. I think Malcolm Brogdon is a huge steal for them. Yeah. He'll lock for them as a guard and then to defend. And then I think he'll go really well with uh, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know how long 
Victor Oladipo is going to be I'm, I'm ex- he's not going to obviously play on opening night, but you know, I'm sure the Pacers tr- made that acquisition. You know, they acquired Brogdon maybe thinking of Oladipo's future next year. You know, I think Oladipo's probably not coming back December or maybe January, but um but yeah, Brogdon really good. I mean, he was he averaged 15, 5 and 5. And I I don't know how many players did it this year. He might have been only like one of a handful of players in the entire league this year to do it. But um, he shot fifty over 50% from the field, over 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. He's really efficient. He's a really solid player. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, before the Celtics acquired Kemba Walker, and as soon as the Celtics were just in a real kind of a, a free fall, you know, after they lost Kyrie Irving, after they lost Al Horford, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, Boston, you know, uh, this was before Walker, so they needed a point guard. And I was saying, you know what? Celtics should really try to make a run for Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he would really fit well for what Boston does and the, the offense that Brad Stevens liked to run. Um, now, obviously, it didn't happen, but I think Brogdon um, can help them. I don't know. You know, it, it all depends on, like, what uh, Oladipo's state is when he comes back after the injury. So I'm not sure if Indiana is going to be like a three seed or a six seed, but you know, they're, they also have Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis too. So, um, it'll be a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I definitely like what Indiana has. Um, but, um, Connor, if, if, do you have any other thing to add just for for the other free agents? No, I mean, the teams that we mentioned are really the, the most active. Um, I think, you know, I, I think the the Pelicans. I would like to say that the uh, I think a move that uh, move that's going to fly under the radar that might pay some dividends is them getting Derek Favors from Utah. Yeah, um, I think that's a nice solid move. I've always been a fan of Derek Favors. I think he's a nice. I think he's a solid player. Um, I don't think the Pelicans are really going to be. Just the, you know, they're not going to be a cakewalk this year. I think they could be a sneaky, you know, seven or eight team. They're a wild card. They could be a seventh or eighth seed team this year. Um, I never doubt my guy, Drew Holiday. He is a uh, hell of a player. I love him all since the Philly days. I, I really liked what the Pelicans did. Anthony Davis kind of let them handcuff them in a way, you know. Nothing wrong with what he did. He did it like a professional. The media kind of made it out to be worse than what it was. I think that he did it as a professional. I think he really did play, you know, he didn't play every game in New Orleans, but he did play well when he was in. And, you know, everything get out of the players like Drew Holiday and such. They said that he he came to work and came to play every day, even though all this was going on around. I mean, it was kind of, uh, I was the Clippers, of course. I mean, you can't go anything wrong with the Clippers. But, you know, I think a nice, a nice solid move. The Heat, I think they really did well. Um, I think Jimmy Butler, of course, you know, it's a great pickup. I think a really underrated part uh, acquisition by the Heat was Myers Leonard. If he can show up like he did in the playoffs and that just wasn't a mirage, three-point shot and everything, I think that he could be a nice, solid player for the Heat. Um, but, I mean, everything... Everything that Sam kind of said that uh, uh, is pretty, it's pretty much what I was going to say. He kind of took the words right out of my mouth. 
but I mean, that's pretty much what everybody's saying. I think they were, there were really only a few teams, the Pacers, you know, the Pacers, the Heat, Jazz, maybe even the Nuggets. The Nuggets made some moves that are going to help them. Jeremy Grant was a nice trade. I think he's a nice athletic player that goes well. I think given Jamal Murray, the super, uh, the Max was definitely a good move for them. I think Jamal, uh, Jamal Murray's a star in the making in this league. But I mean, I'm just excited. I'm really excited with the the whole change in really the NBA. The change in the dynamic is just unbelievable. It's really crazy how yeah. much how much the like the teams that that were on the top last year with like the Raptors, you know, the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors are still at the top, but I mean, I don't know. D'Angelo Russell in place of Kevin Durant. You tell me who's you tell me who's better. But I think it's a it was a very interesting and it's not even done. It was a very interesting start to the off season. Say that there's now seven or eight teams that you could actually say that have has an actual chance of winning the NBA title in twenty twenty. Between Sixers, Bucks, um maybe, maybe Celtics. I'm holding out hope, but uh it's it's more for the West. You see, I mean really Clippers, Lakers, uh I would I would not be surprised if the Jazz make a run to the NBA finals. I don't think that's out of the question. Um I mean, Houston, you still have. What would you guys say if you could pick two losers of the free agency period? Uh, you could even pick a player. Uh, what would be your biggest losers? I'm going to say my big, my big first biggest loser is this one's obvious for me, uh, the New York Knicks. I mean, you're supposed to get Kyrie and KD. That was supposed to be expected. They, they were supposed to be Knicks, but then all of a sudden you lose them to, your, to the other team in New York and Brooklyn. Like that's gotta be a that's gotta be a sour taste in the mouth if you're a Knicks fan. Like you got all this hype. You you I mean you even opened the door up for two max deals. So you and let Kristaps trade Porzingis away so you could fill cap room, and uh, you end up fan, you end up whiffing. And worst part isn't you not whiffing. They didn't even like offer him. They didn't even right. like bother even offering Kevin Durant. I mean oh. they basically just. Did nothing. I and heard. Stephen, yeah. uh, I, I, yeah. I, dude, as soon as you told me about they didn't offer him the max deal, I just literally just thought of what Stephen A. Smith said, like a day after. No, sorry, like the day of free agency. You know, Stephen A. Smith's reaction was just amazing. Like as soon as he he heard about like the Knicks, and he was like twenty minutes away. The Knicks lost. The Knicks lost in free agency to a team twenty minutes away in Brooklyn. <laughs> it was just insane. It was it was a a top a top Stephen A. Smith moment. Um, Man, I'm gonna say my second loser is gonna be the Lakers because you lose you lost Kawhi Leonard out to the Clippers. I think, and you're and you pretty much you pretty much could have you failed to uh, get that big three, which. Would have definitely would have probably would have won you to West maybe with ease if you would have got Kawhi. But now you he's gonna play for the other team in that same arena mm-hmm. and like now even though they got they kind of had some decent pieces they were able to pick up. But uh, I think losing out on Kawhi and now them having Paul George will def, could definitely be damaging for the mm-hmm. Lakers. Yeah, and my thing with the Lakers is it's not the fact that they miss out on Kawhi Leonard because you know. When you have a chance to go after someone, go after him. It's tough. The thing I just thought was, you know, the Lakers could have been a little bit more aggressive, like, to get other guys that weren't Kawhi Leonard. Like, they could have went after Kemba Walker. 
They could have went after Kyrie Irving. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, in my opinion, it's a really a miracle that like the Celtics even were able to get Kimball Walker because he was not even on the radar. The Lakers should have tried to pounce on Kimball Walker before the Celtics did. I think the Lakers, it's not the fact they lost Kawhi, but it's the fact that they, they, they put really all their, their, their chips on the table for Kawhi and they really didn't think about any of their top players. And as soon as Kawhi left, they're, sorry, well, not left, but as soon as he joined the Clippers, Lakers kind of were really scrambling for 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 players to fill that uh, salary cap. Also, with the Brooklyn Nets, it's gonna. I think uh, Kyrie and KD pairing is gonna be one of the most interesting pairings I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Kyrie, you know, Kyrie was unhappy. You know, play. I think he wanted to be the man in Boston. That's why he demanded a trade out of Cleveland because he wasn't. LeBron Chanel. Now he's going to be teaming up with Kevin Durant, you know, who is who is who left pretty much Golden State because he was upset that like people were loving Steph more than him and like his relationship with Kerr. So I feel like this could be like a it, it's a hit or miss move. Like it could be a hit because maybe you know because obviously KD we won't see that duel until the 2020-2021 season mm-hmm. because KD's ruptured Achilles, but uh. It could literally like it could lead Brooklyn to a title, or it could uh, lead them to a major disappointment. Yeah, that's how I look at that. Um, I really do think that that Durant Irving dynamic is really interesting. I'd agree with that because you know, let's just face it, man. Kyrie Irving, he's a top three point guard in the league. You know, as soon as the Celtics got him, I was standing for Kyrie, but you know. He really, I thought he wore on a lot of Celtic fans, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. I mean, it, obviously it could be a different scenario in the third or fourth year of that contract, but next year, you know, with Durant gone, Kyrie's going to be dealing with a lot of young players. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, um, just, just to name a few. And you saw Kyrie Irving had a hard time this year meshing with, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier. He had, I mean, he was, he was, you know, saying stuff about, you know, their attitude, about their effort. Um, he said some stuff that I don't think was really great to say, especially for players that are still trying to find their way in the league. So I'll be interested to see what Kyrie does now, because let's face it, you know, he, he was traded to Boston, so he didn't really pick Boston. He picked Brooklyn. He picked the Nets. So yeah. we're really going to see. You know, okay, Kyrie, you picked your team. Now we're going to see if you can handle the pressure. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, I like Kyrie the player. I think he's a yeah. top point guard, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, here's one interesting thing. Like, when you look at the Kyrie and KD, KD pairing, you, I would compare what – if you compare Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving, like, if you want usage rate, like, shots attempted – it's very similar numbers, like to each other. And, uh, so, like, will K- will this be like KD playing with Russell Westbrook, or could this be something different? Because we all know Kyrie loves to have the ball in his hand, and so does Westbrook. Mm-hmm. So, I'm anxious to see like how KD can uh, make it work. Right. I mean, uh, the only thing I can say about Irving is compared to Westbrook is Irving is a much more efficient player. Um. Uh, unless you unless you watch Kyrie Irving play against the Milwaukee Bucks in the 2019 semifinals, because Kyrie was absolutely atrocious. But K- 
Kyrie Irving's a much more efficient player than Westbrook. Uh, but um, now that we've kind of gone through the losers, one we're going to talk about is just the pecking order in the East and the pecking order in the West. Now that free agency is mostly wrapped up, uh, there's a lot, obviously, still a lot of time for for trades to happen. So I'll kind of get your opinions. Uh, I'll I'll start with my like top half of the Eastern Conference. What I think the what it is entering uh, the second wave of the off season, and I'll also give you my top teams in the West. Uh, and then both of you got both of you guys can kind of say um, what you think if you know if you agree or not. But I think as of right now, with the trades still possible, but most of the free agents uh, locked into the contracts and it being official. Um, I probably would say the East is probably Milwaukee, but you know what? I can definitely see Philly being the the, the number one team there. Uh, I think I'd probably say Milwaukee's one A and one B, but uh, there is no one A and one B in the NBA standing. So I probably would say Milwaukee's one, Philly's two. I think both those teams are significantly better than anybody else in the East. I think concerning the the moves that the Celtics made, you know, I really do think Kemba Walker is going to fit in nicely with Boston. I think adding a player that, let's just face it, is more team-oriented than what Kyrie Irving was um, is going to help, even though that he's not as good of a player. I think Kemba Walker is going to really help the young guys and really help Brad Stevens offensively. Um, defensively, the Celtics are going to be an absolute black hole up front. I mean, Daniel Tice is not a good defend is an average defender. Uh, and as Cantor is not good in space. Uh, and then Kemba Walker is not a good defender also. Uh, so they're going to be relying on a lot of Marcus Smart and Robert Williams on the defensive end. But, um, but I would say the three through six between the Celtics, Nets, Pacers, and Raptors are really tricky because I think you could easily say – I don't know. Brooklyn's probably not the three seed, but you could easily put a lot of those teams like you can interchange them a lot. Um, I'd probably say the Celtics are the third best. Uh, with Durant gone and that roster still the way it is in Brooklyn, I don't think they're the fourth best. I'd probably say it's Indiana. Uh, the Pacers are probably the fourth. Toronto. Um, we didn't get to what Toronto could do because, you know, uh, that could be something you know, later on for another podcast. But the Raptors are in a really interesting situation now with Kawhi Leonard gone. They have a lot of money. I believe 65% of their roster is tied up financially with Kyle Lowry, um, Marcus Gasol, and Serge Ibaka. And all those guys are on expiring contracts. And it's going to be really interesting to see what Masai Ujiri does if he sticks with that, sticks with that roster. Um, around those three, and then Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, or if he just completely blows it up. Um, I'm saying that he doesn't blow it up and keeps the guys that he has. So if that's the case, I think they're the fifth best team in the East, and then I'd probably say Brooklyn's the sixth best team. Um, and then for the West, uh, West I think is much more difficult to kind of sort through because there's a lot of teams really um, – a lot of them improved. Um, the Clippers, I still think, are the number one team, unless proven otherwise. I think they're the best team right now in the West. If I have to make my finals prediction, I'd probably say the Clippers will play either the Sixers or the Bucks. Uh, 
I think after that, you know what? I didn't. I don't think the. I don't know if the Lakers roster can actually fit. I don't trust the Lakers role players, but I really do think LeBron's going to have an insane season this year. And I think Davis, because he's in a situation that he actually wants to be in, I think he's going to show out. So I'll probably. I don't think it's going to happen, but. I think the Lakers are probably the second best team in the West. Uh, uh, Utah is probably the third best. Uh, I'd probably say Denver the fourth. Houston and Golden State will probably bow for the for the fourth or fifth. I'm not counting Golden State out to actually be like at least a threat. Um, until Clay Thompson comes back, they're they're not a, a, a title team. But uh, who knows? So. Uh, this is, like I said, this is really the last part of the podcast. So, um, Connor and Sam, I don't care. One of you guys can go, uh, and then the other one can follow. Just give me kind of – you don't have to go, like, deep as what I did, but kind of just give me, like, your top teams in the East and West. Now that- um, well, well, first, I, I would – in my opinion, I would switch the Sixers as the one and the Bucks as the two. But I keep that same order as you have, Steve, for, uh, for the East – and for the West, I would, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I like the Clippers being the one, but I think I'm gonna say Denver is gonna be the two seed because I think they have one of the best rosters in the league and they're built to uh, be a top team in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Now the real question will be how if they can uh, excel in the postseason. I think if they can make that next step. Uh, I, I think the Lakers could be a four, you know, honestly, you know. When you look at that roster, you know, they obviously got some players. They got some talent, of course, with AD LeBron. They also consider, you know, you know will LeBron and AD, how many games will they play in the regular season, you know, because I definitely don't see – I definitely don't see Davis playing uh, – I see him more playing in the 60 range, and then LeBron will probably miss, I would say, I'm going to say 10 to 15 – games at least and i think yeah. they'll, they'll definitely lose at probably like 10 or 11 of those games depending on if those two are out for that long you know mm-hmm. so i i think i think the jazz and the nuggets are built really good to uh get a really good season for the postseason and mm-hmm. i do think the rockets are ahead of the warriors right now and i mean because of the uh, Clay Thompson injury and then losing KD, of course. Right. Um, you know, it's for for the the Warriors. Uh, I think another underrated loss is Andre Iguodala. That oh yeah, Andre Iguodala really tied that team together, and he was really their glue guy. Um, really, when things got. When things went wrong, Iguodala always hit some big shots for them. Always played some solid defense, and he was he was versatile. Um, what's going to determine like Golden State from being? I mean, Golden State. Let's face it, with the way that the the, the roster is constructed, they're probably not going to be a one or a two seed next year. Um, their ceiling's probably a three seed, and their floor's probably a six. So there's really it can be pretty It can be pretty diverse, but um, they're not going to be. The, the Warriors aren't going to be a true threat until um, Clay Thompson is back, and who knows if he if he's going to be what he is after that injury? Because um, I mean, 
Curry's the workload for Curry is going to be absolutely insane next year. Um, I, I like Dan. I think the D'Angelo Russell signing can help them, but um, in terms of what they like to run, but I mean D'Angelo Russell is a really um, he's a black hole defensively. I don't think D'Angelo Russell fits with what the Warriors want to do on the defensive end, and he's a He's not. He's more of a high volume guy. He takes a lot of shots, and he takes a lot of threes, and you know that could disrupt their chemistry and could disrupt what Golden State wants to run. Um, but I mean, who? I, I I thought the Kevin Looney addition, well, not addition, but uh, the, the re-signing will help them a lot defensively. I was. I'm a big Kevin Looney stand. I thought the Celtics should have went after Kevin Looney instead of Vanessa Cantor, but. Uh, um, but we'll see. Um, I think Golden State is probably, like I said, just like you said, Sam, five or six. Um, Connor, before we wrap it up, what's kind of your East and West predictions? Um, I'll start with the West so I don't sound like too much of a homer. Um, Got to be the gotta be the Clippers in the one seed. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to tell me that the Phoenix Suns were the one seed. No, I was actually going to, yeah, I, I might. You know, Cam Johnson at number 11, I heard that's a steal. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yo, Aaron Baines coming off the bench. Woo! You got a um, squad there, man. That's a, that's a hell of a squad. Devin Booker surrounded by a bunch of paraplegics. Aaron Baines. Uh, you guys saw that, that, uh, that uh, tweet like Aaron Baines beats Michael Jordan off the dribble. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. So yeah, continue about your West. Sorry. Um. So I'm going Clippers number one. Um. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna agree with Sam. I think I'm gonna go with Denver at number two. Um, I think Nikola Jokic really showed me that he's a big time player. I think, well, let me rephrase that. I knew he was a big time player, but I think he showed the entire world that he's a big time player. Um, that he is a legitimate star in this league. And I think people, he gained the respect of a lot of people. I think Dem- Denver has the makings of the next juggernaut in the West, uh-huh. um, with Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic, um, you know, they got some good role players, Will Barton, Malik Beasley. Gary um, I think they got some good players on that team. I think, I think sorry if I interrupt, uh, uh, I think uh, one different one thing for Denver to look out for is if Michael Porter Jr. can be healthy. I mean, if he's, I mean, it's obviously he got injured again, but uh, if he can find a way to get healthy and, uh, Show him, show people what like he was supposed to be. I think that that'll get Denver over the top at some point. Man, that's that's a big if, though, man. That's I mean, I think Michael Porter is gonna if he gets a chance, but man, I don't know if Michael Porter is gonna play. To be honest, I don't know. Uh, uh, I hope he does, but man, uh, it, him and Jonte Murray, sorry, Jonte Porter just seemed like they're. Their bodies are made of glass, which is really sad because those guys are really good athletes. Um, but, all right, yeah. Sorry, continue, Connor. Sorry, Connor. It's all right. No worries. You guys are you guys are excited about Denver's roster. Michael Porter Jr., I get it. Um, 
think my my third seed got um I'm going Portland with my third seed. Ooh. You know what? Um, okay. I really feel like an absolute idiot in my predictions. I completely forgot off the Portland Trailblazers. I didn't. I literally did not list the Portland Trailblazers in my top five. That, that, that I don't understand. That you know, I, I completely forgot, I honestly... dude. You got uh, okay. Oh my god! If anybody who listens to this in Portland, feel free to grill me. Uh, you know, I completely forgot, man. You got the best back, probably a one-two combo right now in the column and Willard. Oh my god! And if Nurkic becomes healthy, if Nurkic, if Nurkic can actually become healthy, if he can regain his strength coming off that injury, okay, yep, all right, I completely Um, whiffed on that. (laughs) Yeah, I know Portland. Everyone forgets about Portland. I love Portland. My fourth, I think I'm going to fit the Lakers at four. I think that's a good spot for them. I think that's taking into account that LeBron. And AD, LeBron has historically been a playoff player, and now that he's up in age, I think that he's going to turn it down in the regular season. Um, I mean, he has been doing that. I think the fourth seed, maybe even the fifth seed for the Lakers, is more of a reasonable choice. I that's you know what this is. I'm not going to have a, gen, a bona fide four and fifth seed. I'm going to say the Lakers and the Warriors are either going to be a fourth and a fifth seed. It's going to be one of the two, and the other one's going to get the other seed. So where's um, where's uh, Houston and all this? Oh, I'm getting to it. I think Houston. Um, I think Houston's going to be a uh, no. You know what? I'm going Utah for my sixth seed. I'm having Houston all the way down my seventh seed. Wow, all right. And then my eighth seed. The New Orleans Pelicans. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. My eighth seed. Sorry to do this to Dallas, but my eighth seed is going to be New Orleans. Whoa, that's bold. No, I would, uh, I'd agree with Connor. I don't, you know, I think we got to see a healthy Chris Ups Porzingis before we can actually anoint the Mavs as a playoff team. I I, I think that's right. Yeah. I think it's a, I think that's a very bold prediction. I mean, you we saw the. I mean, all I mean, you know, Josh Hart, Alonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram. You know, you know, health concerns obviously with Ingram and Ball, and then like I think if the Pelicans were to make the playoffs, I think Zion Williamson could have to have one of the best rookie seasons. He's going to have to live up to the hype. This rookie year, in my opinion, to get that eight seed. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that one. I'm going to argue right now that New Orleans has the best defensive backcourt in the entire Western Conference. Um, Drew Holiday with Lonzo Ball is going to be a nightmare for guards everywhere. Um. <laughs> I agree with you that Zion definitely has to live up to his potential. Um, I think he's going to have a few rough months, but I think he's he's not going to dominate. But he's going to be a solid player for the, uh, in his rookie season. Um, again, I think JJ Redick was a huge deal. I think he's going to offer some stability. Um, I think they have the makings of a really good bench with you know with Josh Hart. 
They got Jackson Hayes, who was my favorite player in the draft. And then, you know, I think Brandon Ingram, if he shows that he if he can build on what he showed at the end of the year last year, I, I think they're a playoff team. Again, that's a hot take, but hey. Why not? That's what I'm, that's, that's, exactly, why not? Um, now my East. My East. Oof. All right. I'm going to go, because I am a homer. Sixers in my one spot. Oh, that's very shocking right there. Look at that. Um, I got Milwaukee at two. Um, you know, as much hate as Toronto's been getting in the media because they lost Kawhi, I think people really forget how good Pascal Siakam is. Yeah. I, I, um, Pascal Siakam uh, is spicy pee. He's scary, man. I think Pascal Siakam is going to only improve. Um, and I think the one thing he needs to improve on is getting a more consistent jump shot. Yep. Um, and I think that's just going to come. And, you know, I think Red Van Vliet is a nice player, too. I think, you know, yeah, quite, losing Kawhi Wee, Kawhi Wee, Kawhi Kawhi. Losing Kawhi definitely hurt. <laughs> um, but I think they do have a nice roster otherwise. Um, I could see them slipping into the third seed, but I think the third seed for me is going to be Boston. Um, I think Danny Ainge is going to make some moves eventually. Um, and as Cantor, I mean, he's an adequate starting center. It's better than Robert Williams back there. Um. I think Campbell was big, and they still have Jason Tatum. They still have uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, um, I'm going to put Toronto in my four seed. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as much as you know, as much noise as the Nets made, I still have them going into my fifth seed. One, Kevin Durant is going to be playing this year. Two, I've never been a big fan of Kyrie. Just haven't been. Um, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, yeah, you sign him to a four-year, $40 million deal. To me, that's an overpaying and a half. Um, they do have a nice solid bench, but I see them more at the five seed. Um, the six seed, um, I don't think they're a fluke. I'm going with the Magic. Um now we'll see what they do with Fultz, but I think Vuk- Vukovic is one of the best. He's probably the most underrated player in the league, and he's underrated by the fact that nobody really notices the stats that he puts up day in and day out. Um, I mean, he just quietly puts up 20 and 10 every night and never gets really any praise for it. He was an all-star. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, like, he never gets really any national praise. Like, you know, there's never a segment on SportsCenter about how good he is, so, you know? Probably just because Orlando sucks, but that's beside the um, You're going to get Orlando fans triggered. Yeah, I know. Are there Orlando fans? Uh, you know, I've, oh. I have yet to uh, meet an Orlando Magic fan. So. I've never but met They have as many fans as race fans. 
I've never met an Orlando Magic fan. So if there's an Orlando Magic fan out there, hit me up. Um, my seventh seed. Oh, shoot. Never mind. Switch it. Pacers are going to be my sixth, my sixth seed. Magic the Magic are going to be my seventh seed. I completely forgot about the Pacers. I'm not going to make a Steve mistake over here. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my eighth seed. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with the surprise team. The Hawks. Uh, and that's exactly who I'm going with. I'm going with the Hawks. I like that pick, actually. I think the Hawks have a... Uh, have a really nice young team. I think they've done really well. Um, Trey Young, hell of a player. I think, you know, John Collins, a hell of a player. I'm going to tell you right now, they might not be in the most offensively talented team, but they are going to be a pest on the defensive end of the ball. They're going to be a very good defensive team. Um, I think uh, I, I think they sneak in on the AC. I, I am, yeah, I'm really high on the Hawks, but you know, I I think I see them sneaking in on the AC. All right. Well, you know, Connor was one of the, was uh, you know, actually the only one that actually listed off one through eight for both. Uh, I, you know, I didn't even put um. I completely forgot about the Portland Trail Blazers, so um, I'm sorry, Blazers fans. Um, and I also didn't list my one through eight, so I just kind of like listed the like one through one through five, one through six. Um, hey, because I go hard, bro. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that isn't isn't the isn't the let's go hard like the Sixers slogan? No, the Sixers slogan is Philly Unite, or uh, um, we have our little song at the end of every win where it's clap your hands, everybody, for Philadelphia. Or is we go hard? I think the we go hard is the Nets. It's definitely the Nets thing. That's stupid, because the Nets are stupid. Shout out to Ryan Patty, meet me outside. We got a uh, we got a, a challenge. So Connor's gonna be fighting uh, one Ryan Patty. Uh, he's gonna be fighting a Orlando Magic fan in, um, in the streets, and then I will be fighting a Portland Trailblazers fan in the streets. Um, but yeah, I feel really I feel really bad like forgetting about them, and then uh, I pro I mean since I forgot him, I'll probably insert them as like the five or six, but. Uh, considering I forgot about them, but you know, I, I'm not gonna backtrack. I'm not gonna like change my picks because you know, uh, as 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 the kids say, aka like myself, uh, you know, we have the receipts. So I, I'm not gonna backtrack. You know, I said the Lakers are gonna be two, so I'm not gonna backtrack and say, oh, the Lakers are gonna be the fourth seed. So. Uh, I said what I said, so I'm not going to go back. But uh, um, you, da- you guys actually made some really strong points about your per- of your seating. So um, that's really everything, guys. We went through a lot of the big free agent moves, the small ones, and then the teams that um, sorry where the- where they're going to be matched up, and then possible trade that could happen in Oklahoma City. Um, if that's the case, 
Anything you guys want to get off your chest before we end this? Connor, you can even get, um, I mean, Connor, you can give out your address of where you want to meet Orlando Magic fans. Um, my address? Uh, <laughs> I live in Philly. Just meet me in Philly. I'll, I'll meet you wherever you want to meet me. Um, I think one thing I got to say is that one thing that this all season made me realize is that the Knicks suck. And ah. super fans... And I'm talking to one particular, and if he wants to come see me outside, I'll meet him there. I think yes. I know who you're talking about. Yes, that person's name will actually not be mentioned in this podcast, and he might actually listen to the podcast, so who knows. Um, uh, you know, you know, it's not, let's just say, it's that, that Knicks fan is not Stephen A. Smith, even though I would like to see you uh, throw hands with Stephen A. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Stephen A. doesn't like Stephen A. either. So. Stephen A. Smith. Uh, I hate Stephen A. Holla- he's, a, he's a coward. Holler at you, boy! He was on crack. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah, did you hear when someone... Did you hear, like, when somebody went on this radio show? Was that, uh, like... When someone mentioned Carmelo Anthony? Dude, yes, he was like... He was like, uh... I'll go to hell. <laughs> he was like, I'll go to hell. I'm not in the mood right now. He like just completely cussed him out on his radio show from like one to three. It was incredible. Uh, I, that's how I imagine when somebody brings up if the Knicks should sign Kwame Brown. Oh, God. Uh, dude, Stephen A. Smith is like meme worthy. I mean, you might not like like what he has to say, but you can admit that he's very meme worthy. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, Sam, do you have anything, any other final thoughts? There's no other fan base that looks like you want to fight, so that's uh, good. Yeah, I got no, there's nobody out there, um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm really interested, a battle for Los Angeles is going to be one of the most exciting things, you know, you know, we got football, you know, it's, it's the, you know how the Chargers slogan is the fight for LA? Yeah. The uh, Clippers Lakers is the real fight for LA. Yeah, because because there's no Charger fans that actually go to the stadium. So yeah, um, and I bet you I want I wonder what's more probable to see at home a uh, Chargers fan or a Clippers fan. I mean, you probably see a Clippers fan now that they actually have. Yeah, they actually have you know Kawhi Leonard and Paul George star power, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, that I'm I would just, agree. Yeah, That's the real battle. I'm just curious to know how many Clippers fans live in Los Angeles. Like, I want to know. Like, I think I wonder what the number is. Cause yeah, I also would like to know. Like, um, it's always funny. Like looking at like social media accounts for professional teams. Like how much they've grown. If the Clippers like win a championship in the next couple years, the the following that the Clippers are gonna get from social media is gonna be like insane. Like Clipper fans are, you know, uh, you know, the Clipper fans that are, you know, living underneath their, underneath the suburbs or underneath in the sewer and come out of the woodwork as soon as Kawhi comes, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. Um, uh, I've, yeah, yeah, that's another fan base. I've actually never seen a, uh, a fan. I've never seen a Clippers fan. Um, I've never seen an Orlando magic fan, but, uh, but yeah, I think the, the battle for LA will be interesting. Um, I think 
for sure, if if I'm making the NBA schedule right now, I probably would put Clippers Lakers on Christmas Day. Um, yeah. I also think the Pelicans deserve a Christmas Day game. Uh, Raptors probably get one, regard even though Kawhi's not there. I think that because of the the the, the uh, defending champs, but uh, Christmas Day scheduling is a topic for later down the road. Um, but I mean, other than that, I don't. The only thought I really have is uh, just like what Sam mentioned, the Los Angeles rivalry inside the Staples Center is real, and you know, I would love to see. You know, even though I'm a Celtics fan, I despise the Lakers. I would like to see the Lakers and Clippers play in the Western Conference Finals. That would be really sick. Um, you know, both teams were li- literally would never actually leave their hotel. Like, they'd be in the same place the entire time. But uh, other than that, you know, I'll be curious to see what other what moves happens. I The only thing I, I'm curious to see is I do think, though, that Westbrook will be traded. I'm really interested to see where he goes. And um, I'm saying it right now, save for later. I think there's an underground trade bidding war for Bradley Beal. I know Washington has, uh, has said that they're not dealing with Bradley Beal. But I would not be surprised in the next couple months we hear Bradley Beal was traded to to a team that's a contender. I still think Bradley Beal could be traded to a team. So we'll we'll see if, we'll see how that develops. But uh and yes, the person that I will be talking about is Danny Ainge. So Danny Ainge better be calling Washington right now. Um and we'll give them uh Daniel Tice and that's it. Um no. No, that won't happen. Um but we'll give him Max Strauss. We'll give him Max Strauss. You know what? We'll throw in Taco Fall. Actually, you know what? Taco Fall is going to be the next Hakeem, so we're not going to we're not going to can't trade Taco Fall. Uh, he's going to be a fan favorite. So you know what? Max Strauss, Urshan Yabusele, Daniel Tice, and Brad Wanamaker for Bradley Beal. Let's make that happen. Um, but yeah, other than that, I I've said other than that a lot in this podcast, but. Um, I'm excited. I think the NBA actually has insane parity, um, and that hasn't been the case. I mean, there's been some good teams, top couple teams, but not the way it is right now. So um, we'll see what happens the rest of this summer. we got a lot more um, things to happen. Hopefully more woes bombs come out in the next couple weeks or a couple months. So, um, you know, if that's the case, guys, we'll probably end it right here. So – um, I guess we'll hand, we'll give our, our salutations. Shout out to all the shout out to all the Magic fans. I'll catch you on that on the flip side. Yes, rip rest in peace, uh, Connor Longin's message uh, mentions on Twitter uh, for Magic fans. <laughs> Hear him out. Uh, and then we already know that you know I'll be fighting some Portland Trailblazers fans on the way, so. Um, but yeah, if it's other than that, guys, um, you know, I'm really glad that we were able to make this happen on somewhat of a short notice. Um, hopefully we can, you know, make some more NBA podcasts in, down the road. <laughs> I'm glad to have you guys on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank it was a pleasure. You, 
Once again, thank you, Connor. Thank you, Sam, for joining me on this episode of The Bounce Pass. It was a really, really long couple days about NBA basketball, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk about it. So once again, that's the eighth episode of this Bounce Pass by the Sports Mecca, and hope you guys have a great one.